beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the Word to see Jesus. Tonight, I know that I have a word from God for you. I am sure that I have a word from God for you. And we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 4. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 4. Just open it in your back, in your, on your phone or wherever, whatever you're using. Just open it down and then we'll come back and let's talk. Alright, so we are starting a new series today. Yeah, I know. It's not yet the end of October, but it is already, I'm already in November, okay? So just let me. We're starting a new series today, and it's called Twist. It's called Twist. Twist. That's Twist. You know, when they say Twist and Turns, all right? So the eventual outcomes of something is what we are talking about. Twist. And we're using this series to actually talk about the believer's authority. All through the month of November, I'm going to be teaching you about the believer's authority. The believer's authority. Whoa, 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 whoa. The believer's authority. So, twist basically has to do with the fact that God can give you an upward turnaround, all right? God can give you an upward turn. Every circumstance that you are experiencing right now can be turned around, can experience a twist. You know, when, when you watch a movie and they say there was a twist in the plot of the movie, those of you who are movie makers, you probably understand that there was a twist in the narrative it is that point in the movie where things turn around or where things change. And then the movie took, you know, another direction, all right? So we're talking about twists, and we're talking about how God can turn things around for the believer, how God can create an upward twist, an upward turnaround, all right, for the believer, and this is where we are going to be focused on all through the month of November. So the first episode in the twist series is grief. It's grief. Grief. Alright, so let me not just, you know, waste time. To have a grip on something is mastery. Mastery. You can write that down. Grief means mastery. To have mastery of something. Alright, to gain mastery over something. Alright, grief means to take a firm hold of something. To take a firm hold of something. It is to have control over something. To have control over something. Or to have mastery over something. The other word for mastery is to have authority over something. Um, this something we are talking about here is life. We are talking about life. Alright? The believer was designed in Christ Jesus to have mastery over life. To have authority over life. 
You know, when people say things like life happened, you know, it makes it look as if, you know, you know, I had this plan, I had that plan, but life happened. And no, life is not supposed to happen to you. You happen to life. That is, all that you want to see happen is meant to be all that is going to happen to life. And so I'm going to be teaching you about your authority today. I'm going to be teaching on the believer's authority. Life was not designed to happen to you. God did not design life to happen to you. God designed you to have mastery over life and mastery over the circumstances of life and living. God designed you to be in charge. Yeah, that's the word. To have a grip on life. To be in charge of life. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? God created you to have a grip on life. To have mastery over life. To have authority over life. Hallelujah. And so, that's what I'm starting with in the episode Alright, we're teaching on the believer's authority, Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 4. I'll read from many translations. Alright, I'll read from many translations and then we'll take it up from there. Alright, the NIV, Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 4 says, Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? Um, the King James says, the New King James says, where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Where the word of a king is, there is power. I want you to focus on that word. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Yeah. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Alright, let's read from the New American Standard Bible. The New American Standard Bible. It says, Since the word of the king is authoritative, the word of the king is authoritative, the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, What are you doing? Alright? I love the way the message puts it. And when I saw it this afternoon, it, my, my heart leaped for joy. Glory to God. My heart leaped for joy. The um, message translation puts it like this. The king has the final word. I want you to write that down. The king has the final word. The king has the final word. I want you to take note of that because that's where we're going to take off from. That's where this, this plane is going to take off from today. It says the king has the final word. The king has the final word. Who dare says to him, what are you doing? Now, let's start with this idea of grip. To have mastery. To have control. To be in charge. To be authoritatively in charge of life. Alright? To have mastery over life. You know, people say, I, I always tell people, 
Man, we are not going to live twice, so. The, the life that we are living now is not rehearsal. This is the life. So it's not like we are going to live this life, then come back with the knowledge of what we have learned, alright, and then live a better life. No, we are already living this life, glory to God. And the word of God has already been given to us as enough, you know, enough um, guide, enough compass. The word of God is compass enough for us to live life the first and only time and get it right. We're not doing dress rehearsal. Do you understand? So the Bible says that where the word of the king is, there is power. The message translation says, the king has the final word. Oh, I want you to bear that in mind. The king has the final word. I want you to bear that in mind. The king has the final word. He does not say life has the final word. He says the king has the final word. Now, of course, I'm going to show you Revelation 5.10 says that you are a king and a priest. God has made us kings and priests. So, but here's what's going on in Ecclesiastes. God is giving you an idea of how things ought to think and how things ought to behave and what is the psychology of a king. So he's giving you an idea and he's telling you that the king's word is authoritative. The king has the final word. Now let me ask you, alright, to, to, to understand the conversation that we are talking about today, I want you to know that God wants you to have a grip on life. He wants you to have a grip on business. You know, people say, get a grip, get a grip. I wish they understood what it means. Get a grip means, you know, get mastery over life. And guess what? Many times people say, get a grip on your life. They are asking people to, to um, in the flesh, try to do something. No, 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 no. When we say get a grip on your life, we are saying gain mastery over your life. When we say get a grip over, over life, we are saying find a revelation of who you are. The revelation of who you are is your grip on life. The revelation of who you are is your grip on life. So, the first thing I want you to know tonight is that to get a grip on life, you must understand that you are a king. You must understand that you are a king. And the king has the final word. The king has the final word. Now, so imagine your life. Imagine the experiences of your life. Imagine the circumstances of your life. For example, there are many people who get sick. And when they get sick, they die. What that means is that death has the final word in that circumstance. So imagine you go through life always having the final word. That is your final word, your own desire about that situation is what it finally produces. Imagine you have the final word in your career. Imagine you always have the final word in that job situation. Imagine you have the final word when it comes to your finances. Imagine that it is not life that is hitting you past those. But you are the one that has the final word. So what it means is, oh, Father, I thank you because we have utterance tonight to teach your word in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. So what it means is that when it comes to the outcomes of your life, 
When I say your life, I mean your finances, your marriage, your career, your business, your company, everything about your life. It is you that have the final word. Now, everybody listening to me right now, you have a dream. You have a vision of what your life should be like. What your life should look like. What your life can be like. Especially if that dream and vision is being propelled and is being produced and propelled and powered by God's word, revealing Christ. So there is a way that God has designed that your life should go. For example, God has designed that your life should be upward and forward only. God has designed that your life should not be filled with ups and downs. God has designed that your world, your, your life should not be filled with tragedies. Today, calamity A. Tomorrow, calamity B. Next, tomorrow, calamity C. No, God has designed that your life should not be filled with calamities. And when it comes to the issues of life, eh, you can have the final word. What you want is eventually the final thing that settles. Glory to God. So let's assume now that you have the final word when it comes to every area of your life. Just imagine. Look at your life. Have a panoramic view of your life right now. And imagine that you have the final word in every single area of your life. That at no point does any negative circumstance have the last say over your life. You're in business. Imagine that you always have the final word. The Bible says, and I, I repeat, where the word of the king is, there is power. The message translation says, the king has the final word. Now let me show you some scriptures. I want you to please mark that word down. The king has the final say. You know, I, I like when we sing that song. Who has the final say? Jehovah has the final say. You know, we sing that song. That song is a good song. But that song is not a complete song. It's a good song, but it's not complete. Jehovah has the final say, but Jehovah has given you the final say. Jehovah has given you the final say. So it's not actually Jehovah that has the final say, it is you understanding what God's position is for that situation and saying what God is saying. It is you that actually has the final say. You know, there are many times, Ba, that God has the final say over people's lives, but they are not experiencing it. God has the final say over your health, but they are not experiencing it. Why? Because God's final say has not become their own final say. They have not come to the place where they understand that they are the ones that have the final say. I'll show you scripture. Let's look at that thought and that idea of God having the final say. Alright? God having the final say and what it means. Turn your Bibles very quickly to John 17. John 17, 23, 22 and 23. Quickly, quickly, quickly. John 17, 22 and 23. Kai, you're, you're going to be massively blessed tonight, Kai. I can, I can feel it. I can feel it. 
John 17, 22 and 23. John 17, 22 and 23. Look at what he says here. I like it. He says, I have given them the glory that you have given me. May they be one as we are one. Stop. I have given them the glory that you have given me. So, the same glory that God gave to Jesus is the same glory that Jesus gave to you. So, in other words, God does not have the final say alone. You have the same amount of glory that God has. He has shared his glory with you. You know, there's another song that he sings. You are the Lord, that is your name. You will never share your glory with any man. Shut up! That's a Nepio song. It's a song for children. It's a Nepio song. Alright? It's a Nepio song. Because God has already shared his glory. Are you more holy than him? Look at what he says in that scripture again. Verse 22. He says, I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Look at, look at verse 23. He says, I in them, and you, and, and you are in me, may they be made completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you loved me. One! The same glory that Jesus has is the same glory that he has given to you. My dear friend, he has already shared his glory already. He has shared his glory already. God has shared his glory already with you. So that you, it is no longer God has the final say. It is I have the final say. Why? Because God has shared his glory with me. So, the first thing to get a grip on life is not to begin to take motivational classes. To get a grip on life is not to begin to take, you know, courses from Cambridge. To get a grip on life is not to attend business school. To get a grip on life is not to get a master's degree. No. To get a grip on life is to find a hold of your identity. The same identity Jesus has before God is the same identity that you have before God. You are one with Jesus in the presence of God. He has shared his glory with you. So you are not junior to Jesus. You are one with Christ. Are you hear what I'm saying? So to get a grip on life is actually to get a grip on identity. To get a settled idea of your identity. That's how you get a grip on life. To understand that you have the final say. Hey, paragues to bradiges eprahate. Men cladese bradiges eprahate paradis. Glory to God. Now imagine for one moment, eh, that life always goes as you say it will go. Let me, let me, let me say that again. Imagine for one moment, that your life always goes the way you say it will go. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to turn out a failure in life if your life goes exactly the way you are saying it will go? 
Are you going to turn out a failure? The only way you're going to turn out a failure is if your head is small, if your vision is small. But I know that many of you listening to me now, you don't have small visions, you have big visions. What I'm saying is imagine that you have the final say in life. Just imagine that you have the final say in life. <clears throat> I say just in, <clears throat> imagine for one moment that you have the final say, that you have the final say over your health. That you have the final say over your finances. That you have the final say over your job, over your business, over your company. Listen, you have been thinking that it is God who has the final say. You don't understand there that God has given you the same ability. Now you also have the final say. I don't know why I'm dwelling on this so much, but I want you to get it. Now, the Bible says the king has the final say. And God has shared his glory with you so that you have the final say as well. Let me show you some scriptures. Thank you. Revelation 5 and verse 10. <clears throat> Revelation 5 and verse 10. Revelation 5. That's all I came to tell you to do. Like, you see, as this life is going back, you can have the final say over life. You can have the final say over your circumstances. You can have the last say. The word of the king is power. The word of the king is authority. No one dares question him. You are a king. Let me show you from scripture first before I begin to get ahead of myself. Revelation 5 and verse 10. Look at this. He says, you have made them a kingdom. You have made them a kingdom and priests unto our God. And they will reign in the earth. Another translation says, he has made us kings and priests unto our God. Let's look at, let's look at the King James Version of that scripture. Oh, glory to God. The King James Version of that scripture. Or we can even look at the American King James Version. It says, And have made us to our God kings and priests. He has made us kings and priests unto God. He has made us kings and priests. The King James says, He has made us kings and priests unto God. The New King James says, He has made us kings and priests unto our God. And we shall reign on earth. Did you notice that it says you shall reign on earth? What he's saying is that you shall have the final say when it comes to matters concerning your life. You have the final say. You shall reign on earth as a king. He has made us kings and priests. We are not going to be kings when we get to heaven. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. We are kings already in the earth. And where the word of the king is, there is power. So what's your final say concerning your health? Let me hear you. What's your final say concerning your finances? This idea that you are a king, this idea that you are a king and a priest, this idea that you are not ordinary, this idea that your identity is that of a king, is supposed to revolutionize your thinking. Kings do not beg. Kings make decrees. And their decrees, their words are established. 
unto them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Kings have the last say. Let me explain what that means. When a king has spoken, that word is final. You don't come back to question the authority of the king. Because what he has said should happen is final. So let me ask you, what are you saying should happen? So it means eh, that the greatest weapon of the king is not his degree. The greatest weapon of the king eh, is his words. Is his words. The greatest weapon of the king is not his degree. The greatest weapon of the king is not his networks. The greatest weapon of the king is that he has the final say when he comes to life. Oh, I love this, I love this, I love this. Let's look at Romans 5, 17. Romans 5 and verse 17. Romans chapter number 5 and verse 17. Huh? Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Romans 5 and verse 17. Here's what it says here. Look at what it says here. 17. It says, Since by the one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life. So what are the things you need to reign in life? Number one, you receive abundance of grace. You receive abundance of grace. Number two, you receive the gift of righteousness. And then you reign over life. Meaning, you have the last word over life. You reign in life. When you reign, failure does not reign. How dare you fail in business? How dare you fail in ministry? How dare you fail in your finances? How dare you fail in marriage? Where the word of the king is, there is power. The Bible says we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. See it again. Abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. That's how we reign in life. Let me explain what this is. To reign in life. One, receive abundance of grace. What is abundance of grace? That God is treating me the same way he is treating Jesus. That God is treating me the same way he is treating Jesus. Think about it. Abundance of grace is that every time I open my mouth to talk, God treats my words like as though it is Jesus that is talking. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. See, as you are sitting here now listening to me, if there was ever a time where the president of any nation, any nation, I don't even care what nation it is, any nation, if the president of any nation was able to take your words so seriously, eh, to the point that when you are talking, right, it is as though, you know, it is somebody very important that is talking. Kai, we, we will not see your back. When you're walking, eh, you're going to be walking with so much swag. You're going to be walking with so much authority, so much, because why? The king takes your words very seriously. Now, what I'm saying to you, Bob, is that 
Abundance of grace means that God treats you exactly the way he treats Jesus. What it also means is that the words that you speak out of your mouth will be greeted with as much favor as the words that Jesus speaks out of, of his mouth. Let me also explain what abundance of grace means. Abundance of grace means that God is treating you now, alright, with as much favor, <laughs> as much goodness and favor, the same that Jesus is under. What is abundance of grace? Abundance of grace is that the evil that you deserve, because of what Jesus has done, that evil has gone to Jesus. The good that you do not deserve, because of what Jesus did, that good has come to you. You have a right standing with God. Oh, abundance of grace is that every petition you bring before God is greeted with favor, is greeted with grace, is greeted with goodness. Let me also explain. Abundance of grace means that you have abundance of Jesus. Grace is a person. Grace is Jesus. The Bible says the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. So grace is Jesus. So what, when it says abundance of grace, it means abundance of Jesus. It also means abundance of the revelation of what Jesus came to accomplish for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. Abundance of it. Abundance of what Jesus came to achieve in his death, burial, and resurrection. If you have your mind filled with the abundance of what Jesus came to accomplish for you in his death, burial, and resurrection, you cannot be begging, my friend. No, you cannot be begging. You can't have your mind filled with the abundance of what Jesus came to do for you. And you are begging. Listen, my friend, that's how to get a grip on life. To get a grip on life means to get a hold on truth. To get a hold on identity. Yeah, yeah. Getting a grip on life is not enrolling a business school. No. Getting a grip on life is settling the matter of your identity once and for all. When the matter of your identity is settled once and for all, guess what? All business schools will attend to you. All businesses will respond to you. All life situations will respond to you. Every good thing will come to you. The reason why many people are failing in life is because they've not gotten a grip on identity. Identity is that I'm a king. The words of kings don't fail. The words of kings never fall to the ground. How do kings reign? They reign by receiving abundance of grace. Abundance of the revelation of why Jesus went to the cross. They reign by receiving, number two, the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. What that means is that at all times, you are standing before God without any sense of guilt, inferiority, or condemnation. What it means eh, is that at no point will you as a believer say something and then heaven will say, no, it's not possible, or no, not yet, or no, 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 we can't give this, we can't grant this, no, it's impossible. 
at no time will it happen that you don't have the things that you say with your mouth. It's abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What do you need to reign in life? Uh, but they didn't say you need a degree to reign in life. They didn't say you need networks to reign in life. They didn't say you need connection to reign in life. They say get abundance of grace. Get the gift of righteousness. You'll be reigning in life. Now guess what? When you reign in life, poverty does not reign. Lack does not reign. Failure does not reign. Depression does not reign. Frustration does not reign. It's the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that will cause you to reign in life. How do we reign? We have the last words. We, we understand that God has shared His glory with us. That God is not angry with us. That God has already given us the same amount of glory. We understand that we are kings and priests unto God. And what that means is that what we say, God is hearing. Oh, let me show you a scripture. Hey, everyone, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. And as you pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to see your identity. I want you to see your authority. I want you to see you are not a pauper. You are not a beggar. God did not create you to go through life as a beggar. Always having to beg for all things. Hey, you are a king. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let this reality settle in your heart right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost, everyone. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14 and verse 28 quickly. The book of Numbers chapter number 14 and verse 28. Numbers 14, 28. Numbers 14, 28. Look at what it says. God is the one talking here. He says, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I hear you say. Hey, uh, hey, 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 hey. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at what it says in the, in the New Living Translation. I feel the power of God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I hear you say. This is God talking. I will do to you the very things I hear you say. The English Standard Version. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do. What are you talking about? So now, who has the final say? Hey, uh, hey! Hey, church, talk to me. Who now has the final say? God or you? Glory to God. I'm asking you, look at that scripture, and then tell me now. You say, you are the final say. Jehovah as the final say. Yes? Jehovah? Look at what he's telling you here. He says, tell them that whatever they say in my hearing, look at it, read that scripture again to yourself. What you have said in my hearing, 
That's what I will do to you. So now who has the final say? You answer. Write it down. Type it. I want to see your, your response. Who who now has the final say? You or God? Who who has the final say? You or God? Listen. When you say God has the final say, you make it look as if God's will is not known. God's will is known. God's will is already known. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be favored. God wants you to enjoy his goodness. God wants you blessed. God wants you to reign in life. God does not want sickness to reign over your body. God does not want disease to reign over your body. It is what you say in his hearing that he will do to you. So my friend, you are the one who has the final say. Now tell me, what are you saying? Have you recognized that you are a king? Have you recognized your identity as a king? As a king. As a king. As a king, go with God. You're not a pauper. You're not a beggar. Thank you for engaging with us in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello at blueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprints Church and on Instagram at The Blueprints Church. Cheers.